How's it going, everybody? Jay Sannon here, bringing you another exciting edition of the GBI show. That's right, it's Gridiron Betting Insights here from ATS. We are doing the show live on this Thanksgiving morning. Happy Thanksgiving to those who are celebrating as such. Um, we have a very exciting show for you here today. We're going to talk about week 12 of the NFL schedule from a betting perspective, get you all the information you need before the games start here on Thanksgiving Day to get your wagers in. Got the information you need for the Sunday slate as well. We are stuffing your ears with everything you need to know about betting week 12 of the NFL. A couple of games on the schedule this week that are worse than talking politics with relatives during Thanksgiving dinner. We'll get to those. We'll get to the good games as well on the schedule here on the GBI show. Of course, the show not possible without the fine folks at Caesar Sportsbook. Check out Caesar Sportsbook. Use promo code GBI bonus at the bottom of your screen if you are watching the program. If you are not watching, if you are listening on the podcast feed, I will say it again. GBI bonus, the promo code at Caesar Sportsbook. Get a match bet on your first bet up to $1,001 on the site. So let's not waste any time here. Let's get right into the week 12 slate. And we will start with Bears-Lions. The It's become kind of an annual tradition. I believe it's been three out of the last four years that we have seen Bears-Lions on Thanksgiving Day, unfortunately for the eyeballs of, well, all of us. On you know, they should really make this the night game. They should make the Lions the night game on Thanksgiving so you have time to adequately uh, lubricate socially with, uh, with the beverages before you have to watch the Detroit Lions. But that is not what we get. Um, Bears Lions, Bears, two and a half point favorites, total 41 and a half. And it's game, it's game where we are going to get the original starting quarterbacks for each team heading into this season. We're going to get Andy Dalton on the Bears side. We're going to get Jared Goff on the uh, Lions side. Of course, Fields injured with the ribs for the Bears. He will not play. It's going to be Dalton instead, which I believe to be an upgrade for the Chicago Bears on the offensive side, Jared Goff with the oblique, he's going to be good to go. No Tim Boyle this week for the Detroit Lions. Um, some injuries to worry about on the Bears side defensively. Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack not participating in this contest. Um, of course, Mack, his season over, whereas Akeem Hicks just missing this game. And it's a game where I lean toward the under in this game. I mean, it seems kind of unsurprising, I suppose. But, uh, you know, neither of these teams lighting it up offensively. The Bears averaging under 16 points per game during their recent five-game losing streak. The Detroit Lions, they have not scored 20 points a game since week one. Since week one of the season against the San Francisco 49ers. And you will remember they scored a lot of the points in that game in garbage time. They were uh, on pace to score under 20 points in that game as well. Of course, the Lions 0-9-1 on the season. They will be looking for their elusive first win. If I had to take a side here, I would think that they would not get the win. I, To be honest, I think Goff is a downgrade from Tim Boyle, from anybody. You name it, I think Jared Goff at this point is a downgrade. Um, but I, I would lean toward the under as the best play to be made in this game. Of course, you know, then we're going to ask the same question we ask every year. Should the Detroit Lions even be on on Thanksgiving Day? And, I mean, you know, personally, I don't care. I think it's funny to watch them lose and their fans be all sad every Thanksgiving. It doesn't matter to me. On the Bears' side, of course, there were these reports about Matt Nagy. The, he was already informed that he was fired. Those reports have been denied. They came from 
patch.com, whatever that is. So I don't put a lot of stock into that. I think that they come out and they play a pretty decent game here today. But I would lean toward the under in that contest. I don't want to waste too much time on Bears-Lions, given some of the more exciting matchups we have to look forward to on the NFL Week 12 slate. So let's move forward to a much better Thanksgiving Day game. I'm talking about the Raiders and the Cowboys. Raiders seven and a half point dogs on the road here. Total 51 and a half. Of course, the Raiders losing to the Bengals last week. Pretty humiliating fashion. Uh, the Cowboys struggling offensively against the Kansas City Chiefs last week. And really the big question in this game is who is playing for the Dallas Cowboys? Uh, you have CeeDee Lamb is questionable. You have Amari Cooper. He's out with COVID for this week. There were rumors about Zeke Elliott's status being up in the air, but he's not on the injury report. We'll see what happens with that. Um, Vegas on a three-game losing streak heading into this game, and it is worth noting a significant drop-off in the offensive production of the Las Vegas Raiders since Henry Ruggs was understandably discharged from the roster for the uh, terrible thing that happened with him. Um, obviously, his actions caused it. He's entirely at fault for that situation, uh, but it has impacted the Raiders offensively. They are really struggling without him um, under 15 points a game post-Henry Ruggs being a member of the roster. And, you know, I, it kind of makes sense. So, you know, Derek Carr and that offense, they've lost John Gruden, and then you lose one of your top wide receivers. It's just kind of the way it is based on the, again, the actions that those two men took that necessitated them being gone. But it is unfortunate for the guys who are there and who didn't do anything wrong that uh, their season has kind of gone off the cliff as a result. Now, Dallas, on the other hand, they haven't been great offensively either over the last month or so. Uh, last four games, they've only broken 20 points one time. Uh, you have to remember that four, you know, four games ago was the Cooper Rush game. You understand them not breaking 20 in that contest. But since then, they'd only put up 16 against the Broncos, and all 16 of those points came in garbage time in the second half. And then, of course, last week they struggled mightily against the Chiefs, um, you know, I would lean toward the Las Vegas Raiders in this game, especially if you're now getting over that key number of seven and a half. I, you know, I think that the Cowboys should win the game, at least theoretically speaking. But I do think that some of their recent struggles offensively and the fact that they haven't been a great team on these Thanksgiving Day games, I believe they've lost three out of their last four on Thanksgiving Day at home. I could, you, know, you could see them at least having to sweat this one out. I would lean toward the Raiders. Not sure I like the Raiders enough to lock it in. You know, we'll see if we can get a better number here throughout the day. I don't think we will. I think seven and a half is probably as good as you're going to get. And uh, I don't know that I trust this Raiders offense enough to really justify locking in, but I think that would be the best direction you could go in this game. Now, an interesting one, Thanksgiving night here tonight, and we'll talk about it next here on the GBI show. I am talking about the Bills' six-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against the New Orleans Saints, total 45. Of course, last week, Buffalo, with the humiliating loss to the Indianapolis Colts, could not stop Jonathan Taylor in that game. And, of course, the Saints losing to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they were blown out in that game, and they could not stop Jalen Hurts and that Philadelphia offense. And you look at the Saints, I mean, post-Jameis Winston injury, yes, Trevor Simeon did get them over the finish line against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But 
they've lost their three games in which Simeon has started. And, you know, you could say, oh, they're competitive against the Titans, but, you know, there are no moral victories, A, in the NFL, and B, uh, betting on the NFL. And so it's something to keep in mind that they have struggled mightily post Jameis Winston. And, of course, you kind of, I mean, you're not adding insult to injury. You're adding injury to injury. Alvin Kamara will miss this game as well with a knee injury for the Saints. By the way, Marcus Davenport, also worth noting, will not play for the Saints. That defensive line taking a bit of a hit there. And when you face a team like the Bills, who you know is capable of moving the ball offensively, you want all your horses on the D-line. You will not have that for the Buffalo Bills. Of course, Buffalo, number one in the NFL in yards per play allowed this season. And it's a game where you expect that defense to bounce back, right? Now, without Kamara, with Trevor Simeon playing a quarterback, you know, this is not the team that they faced last week in the Colts who have a player now like uh, Jonathan Taylor who can really carve you up. Without Kamara, without the full strength of the passing game, you expect the Buffalo Bills to come out and play well here. But consistency offensively has been a huge problem for the Bills. They have scored six points, 45 points, and 15 points over their last three games. You'd like to see them level out those numbers a little bit. And especially, I mean, avoiding, you know, the single-digit outputs like they put up in that 9-6 to six loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, and, you know, the running game is kind of a big reason why for the Bills. I mean, it really is. Josh Allen or bust for this offense. They haven't had a 100-yard rusher this season. And you look over the last six games, they haven't had a guy eclipse 60 yards rushing. That is a concern for later in the year for this game. I don't think it's as big a problem. I do think that the Bills should cover the number here. I would lean in that direction. However, scared off this game, possible look-ahead spot for the Buffalo Bills as they take on the Patriots next week at home, Monday night football division very well could be on the line in that game, right? I mean, both teams win as favorites this week. You have the Patriots still ahead of the Bills. Bills are going to need that game. You can very well see the Bills not fully focused on a banged up New Orleans Saints team this week. So that's your Thanksgiving day breakdown your three games on the Thanksgiving slate it's going to be a lot of fun uh, you know it always is on Thanksgiving uh, you know at least in my perspective I'm uh whipping some turkey and some sides and things like that while uh you know my wife tries to uh, keep the kids from gnawing our legs off while they wait for us to cook the meal but uh you know it's always nice to have some football on while you do that a couple frosty yinglings this is one of the best days of the entire year it's why Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday out of all of them. With that in the books, let's move to the Sunday slate in the NFL because we still have 12 more football games to talk about beyond just what's on Thanksgiving. And next up, let's talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to Indianapolis to face the red-hot Indianapolis Colts. Bucks, a three-point favorite, total of 53. And this is a game where I think the market might be kind of overcorrecting for the Colts, right? They've been playing really well as of late. Jonathan Taylor making his push for the offensive rookie of the year. However, might be time to pump the brakes a little bit. I would lean ever so slightly toward the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this game. And my big reason for that is the fact that Indianapolis hasn't faced an offense recently that has been as consistently strong as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
Uh, yes, they played the Bills last week and they slowed down the Bills. But as we mentioned, the Bills kind of one-dimensional with their offense, whereas Tampa Bay, yes, they put they prefer to put it in the air, but they do have the weapons where they can move the ball on the ground if they so choose. Big news for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming into this game. Vita Vea should be able to go. And on the Colts side, you have to wonder, Quentin Nelson re-aggravating his ankle injury. How is that going to impact the running game of the Indianapolis Colts? Jonathan Taylor has been absolutely on fire. He's rushed for over 100 yards in five of the team's last six games. The Colts have scored 30-plus over that same five-out-of-six window. But with Quentin Nelson dealing with an injury, is that going to slow them down a little bit? I don't think it'll drastically cut his production or anything like that. But I do think against a team like Tampa Bay, you need to be firing on all cylinders. You need to be at 100% at doing what you do best. And I'm not so sure that they're going to be quite at that level, the Colts, heading into this game. I would lean very slightly toward the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, a game that's a lot worse than Bucks-Colts. And this is one of those games, we talked about it before the show. My professional tease for the show was, there are going to be a couple of games on the schedule that are worse than talking politics with your relatives on Thanksgiving. Here, ladies and gentlemen, is one of those games. Jets-Texans. Jets are two-and-a-half-point underdogs on the road against the Texans. 44-and-a-half. Zach Wilson, good to go for the Jets. And it's a good thing he is because COVID-19 has swept through the Jets' locker room, apparently. Uh, it is Mike White and Joe Flacco both out. Due to COVID-19, you know, it works out fine. Wilson's good to go. Fortunately for everybody involved, no uh, no Kendall Hinton situation breaking out for the Jets for this game. Texans snapping an eight-game losing streak last week when they managed to beat the Tennessee Titans completely came out of nowhere. And this is one of those things where you look at that game and you say, boy, we bet our hard-earned money on this, on this league. When the Tennessee Titans, double-digit favorites, could come out and lose outright to the Houston Texans, who have lost eight games in a row. Just a reminder, don't throw down on heavy money line favorites in the NFL. Just don't do it, because it could turn out like this. Any Sunday, it can turn out like this. We've been seeing it throughout these last few weeks, huge favorites going down outright. And, uh, you know, you need to keep that in mind. There's no such thing as a sure thing in the NFL. I try to remind you as often as I can that that is the case. The Texans dead last in the NFL in yards per play. They are improving somewhat with Terod Taylor as opposed to the Davis Mills experience, which is worth noting. Uh, the Jets, by the way, dead last in yards per play allowed this year. And, you know, that's kind of my basis for just not wanting anything to do with this game. You have a terrible Houston offense. You have a terrible Jets defense. To me, that kind of eliminates the idea of playing either total in this game. I, if I had to do something in this game, I would lean toward the under. However, with the Jets defense, their defense, I could give up 40 any given week. That's just how they are. Um, I don't want to play a side either. I, you know, to me, the only thing I'm watching in this game is how does it go with Zach Wilson being back at quarterback. That's the only thing I have any interest in finding out. Um, no, no thank you, as far as the betting is concerned on this game. 
Now we're going to go to a game that's near and dear to my heart here on the GBI show. I'm talking about the Eagles, three and a half point favorites taking on the Giants, total 45 and a half. And this is the game. This is the one where I get to sit there and watch Devontae Smith play for the Philadelphia Eagles after they threw week 17 against the football team last year. And uh, Devontae Smith should be a giant. Instead, he is a member of the Philadelphia Eagles because of that dastardly act by uh, Doug Peterson. May God rest his soul. Uh, hashtag lock them up. Uh, my biggest question for this game is, will they be playing the return game later in the season, uh, which Philadelphia is supposed to be hosting uh, in Guantanamo Bay, where the Philadelphia Eagles belong for that dastardly act last year in week 17? All of that aside, um, really, I mean, the big question for me here in this game is, can the Eagles keep it rolling? They've been playing very well over the last few weeks. They've won three out of their last four. The one that they did lose during that stretch came against the L.A. Chargers on a late field goal. And you look at the Eagles' schedule from here. They have the Giants, obviously, in this game. After that, they face the Jets. They get Washington at home. The Giants again at home, they go to Washington, and then they play Dallas to close it out. But they're looking at a potential here for, you know, a five-game winning, you know, five games in a row where they can win looking forward before they get to Dallas. They could very well be a 10-win team heading into that final game of the regular season against the Cowboys, which is very interesting given how poorly they started this season. The question is, can they take care of business here on the road to kind of set that scenario up? And, you know, I mean, I would have to say that I would think they would get it done. I would lean toward them against the number as well. The Giants still all kinds of banged up with their skill position guys. You got Saquon Barkley, you got Kadarius Toney, Sterling Shepard, John Ross, all questionable for the New York Giants heading into this game. One Thing to note for the Eagles, Darius Slay is in concussion protocol, and it's significant because, A, I mean, he's just a generally good defensive player, but he has two touchdowns as of late for the Philadelphia Eagles as well. He's been a productive player in terms of scoring for the Eagles lately. Losing him would be significant. I would at least wait and see how he is doing before locking anything in on this game. I don't think him being confirmed as active is going to move the line or anything like that. But I do think that, uh, you know, you might want to wait and make sure that one of the better, more impactful defensive players for the Eagles is going to be available in this game. Uh, the Eagles, during their three wins in their last four games, they have scored 30 plus in each of those games. Inconsistent Giants defense they are going up against. They could very well put up another 30 spot here. Um, my question, I guess, going into this game is should the Giants sign Sudfeld before this game? Just to, you know, just to see what they have in Sudfeld, uh, like the Eagles did in week 17. Those cowards, that cowardly city and organization. Unbelievable. I would lean toward the Eagles here, um, but I am uh I'm going to wait and see what is happening with Darius Slay before making any final decisions. Next up, Panthers-Dolphins, a game that is fascinating for a number of reasons, even if these two teams have not been great throughout the year. Uh, Panthers, two-point favorites, total 41 and a half. And, you know, last week, right, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had the whole Cam Newton, he scored two touchdowns on two plays, and he's screaming 
I'm back. And everybody just kind of reposted it um, because everybody lacks creativity on social media. But here's the thing. Cam Newton is back. And that means the good Cam Newton and also the bad Cam Newton. And we saw some of the bad Cam Newton last week when he struggled to deliver late against the Washington football team. Carolina had multiple chances to win that game with late touchdown drives. And kind of like we've seen with Cam over the years, he struggled to convert several short yardage situations on fourth down. They put the ball in his hands and let him throw it. He threw an incomplete pass, and then he threw short of the marker to Christian McCaffrey on the second fourth down attempt. And that's kind of the question here is, yes, Cam is back, but is that a good thing, you know, across the board for the Carolina Panthers? It's better than Sam Darnold. Don't get me wrong. I might be better than Sam Darnold for the Carolina Panthers. But is Cam Newton being back really this great thing? I don't know that it necessarily is. Meanwhile, the Dolphins, they pick up a win last week against the Jets. Not really some grand accomplishment. They beat them by 7, 24-17. That game was tied pretty deep into the second half there. So you kind of, yes, Miami wins the game, but you got to be a little bit concerned about what you saw there from the Dolphins as well. Um, You know, this is a game where I think the defenses probably have their day. Uh, Carolina's second in the NFL in yards per play allowed on the season, and then both teams tied for 29th in the NFL in yards per play offensively this year. I don't think we see a particularly glamorous offensive performance on either side. I do lean toward the Panthers in this game. I think that they have the better defense as of right now, even though Miami over the last three games holding opponents to an average of 12 points per game. You have to contextualize that a little bit. And remember, two of those games came against the Houston Texans and the New York Jets. And the third one was a Thursday night home game against a Baltimore team that has just kind of been disheveled offensively over the last few weeks. I think the Carolina, I think they squeak it out in the end. Do I like it enough to bet it? Not personally. I think that both of these teams... They have good pieces, right? I mean, you know, there's a lot of promise here. I like Tua more than I think a lot of people do for Miami. But, uh, you know, they're missing a couple of key wide receivers and Parker and Fuller. And then Cam, I just I can't fully put my faith in him as a quarterback. I would personally rather see MVPJ, uh, PJ Walker, the former Houston Roughnecks great out of the XFL. I would much rather see him at quarterback, because at least you know, you'd be seeing what you have in a young guy as opposed to somebody like Cam, who you know is going to be able to run the ball effectively. He will show you flashes in the passing game, but it's not nearly as consistent as you'd like. Now, before we get to halftime, we're going to cover one more game here on the GBI show, and that is going to be Texans-Patriots. Total 44, the Patriots up to a seven-point favorite in this game, and that is very interesting to me. Because uh, it opened around five, five and a half to start out the week. And if you're an avid reader of ATS.io, which if you're not, that is a you problem, by the way, which uh, you should address. But we had given that out at five and a half. We thought the Patriots would cover as a a five and a half point favorite. It is now up to seven here later in the week. And, you know, it's uh, it's a situation where Derrick Henry being out definitely negatively impacts the Tennessee Titans offensively, but you'll look at the way 
the Patriots have played over these last few weeks. I, they pitched a shutout last week on Thursday night football against the Atlanta Falcons. Um, they've given up 13 points combined over their last three games. They have been incredible on the defensive side of the ball, which of course makes the offense look better by default. And, you know, Mac Jones is playing just fine, right? He's not great. He's not terrible. He is just fine, which is all that they need him to be at this point in time. That's just, that's a fact. That is all they need from Mac Jones right now is to just be that game manager. And he's doing it, right? High completion percentage, not turning the ball over a ton anymore. He is simply moving things along on schedule and not ruining the game for the Patriots. And to his credit, that's all they need from him. And that is good enough right now. Now, what I think the key to this game is, is the fact that the running game is so severely impacted without Derrick Henry for the Titans. And you can't afford to have that against the Bill Belichick coach team, right? You look, and first of all, you look at the injury report for the Titans. It could get worse from an injury perspective at running back. Deontay Foreman and Jeremy McNichols, both questionable for this game for Tennessee. But even with them, uh, you know, post Derrick Henry, the Titans haven't had a 50-yard rusher since he's been out. And what's that mean? That means that the Patriots can key in on stopping Ryan Tannehill, keying in on A.J. Brown, not allowing the Titans to do not just what they do best without Derrick Henry, but really the only thing they can do offensively without Derrick Henry, which is throwing the ball, putting it in the air. I think that's going to be a real problem for the Tennessee Titans here. Um, and then, you know, I mean, the Patriots, they're kind of making their claim to being the best team in the NFC, I'm sorry, in the AFC as of late as well. You know, they've reeled off some very impressive wins here. The rest of the AFC kind of taking a step back, right? We've seen Buffalo struggle over the last few weeks. The Chiefs, yes, they're back in first place in their division, but they've been inconsistent throughout the year. And then everybody's just kind of beating each other up in the AFC North. Uh, you know, this could very well be a time where the Patriots could make a run to a first-round bye, as terrible as that sounds to everybody who's not from New England. I would lean toward the Patriots even at seven in this game. I think they put on another defensive clinic in that contest. So we've made it to halftime here on the GBI show. Thanks for bearing with us for the first half of the program. Of course, just want to remind you at halftime, download the ATS app, track your bets, get all the information you need to be a smarter sports better on the ATS app, available on the App Store, Google Play, wherever you get your mobile apps. So that's halftime. Let's get to the second half of the GBI show here. We will run through the rest of the Sunday slate, get to Monday Night Football as well. And we will start with steelers Bengals, AFC North rivalry game. Steelers, five-point underdogs on the road, total 44 and a half. And last week, the Steelers looked terrible for three-quarters of their game against the Los Angeles Chargers. They turned it all the way around, took a late lead in that game. They took a 37-34 lead in that game. And then they go and give up a big play touchdown, and that was the end of that. It was very disappointing for the Steelers. You come all the way back just to blow it, but that is exactly what they did. Uh, the Bengals, meanwhile, they looked very good last week against a Raiders team that, as we mentioned, has really struggled to find its footing over the last few weeks. 
Um, I lean toward the Bengals in this game. I think that uh, you know they are better on both sides of the ball. You look at their yards per play number so far, offensively, defensively, both better than the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I just think that the Steelers too kind of volatile, too inconsistent to really justify backing in any spot right now. You know, they go off that 16-16 tie against the Detroit Lions, and they follow it up by really laying an egg for the majority of that game against the Chargers. Um, You know, they did cover the number as an underdog, but they were very lucky to get to that point. Um, You know, a couple of huge mistakes from the Chargers kind of allowing them to hang around in that game. I don't know. I to me, I just I do not like the Steelers the way that they're playing at all right now, which is sad because of course before the season we thought a plus five hundred they would be a really good look to win this division. But um, you know, I think that the Bengals clearly a better team than the Steelers right now. Now it's time to get to another one of these games that again we mentioned at the start of the show, worse than talking politics with relatives at the Thanksgiving dinner table. This time it is going to be Falcons Jaguars, which might be worse than Jets Texans. It's debatable. There are certainly both sides to that argument to be had. But in my opinion, Falcons Jaguars, like, can we just move both of those teams to London and call it a day? Because that's an ugly football game. Falcons, two point favorites on the road against Jaguars, total 46. Uh, Last week, the Falcons shut out by the Patriots on Thursday Night Football. And the Jaguars didn't fare much better, by the way. They lost 30-10, but I don't even think that scoreline adequately reflects how badly the Jaguars were outplayed in that game. You talk about a domination from start to finish. The Niners ran a 20-play drive that lasted 13 minutes to start that game against the Jaguars. And the Jaguars ended up holding the Niners to a field goal in that drive, amazingly. A 20-play drive that didn't yield a touchdown. But it kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. And, I mean, there was a point deep in that first half where the Jaguars had run like four total plays. I mean, it was ugly, the first half of that game. And, you know, this is one where I think it's going to be ugly offensively for both of these teams. Uh, The Jaguars, 43 points in their last four games, barely over 10 points per game. And the Falcons in the last two games, they have scored a grand total of three points. They scored three points against the Cowboys in that, uh, what was it, 44-3 to beating that they took at AT&T Stadium. And then, of course, last week they get shut out by New England at home on Thursday night. That was an embarrassing display by the Falcons, averaging a point and a half per game over their last two games. Uh, it's a game where I lean toward the under in this contest. I do. I think that uh, both of these offenses just appear directionless. I think that could change. If we see Cordaro Patterson come back for the Falcons, I'd like to wait and see to know for sure if Patterson is going to be out. I think if he is out, the under is a home run in this contest. Next up on the GBI show, let's talk about Chargers Broncos, a little AFC West action for you as we get into the late games in the uh, Sunday slate in week 12. Total 48 and a half for this game. Chargers two and a half point favorites. And, you know, this is a game where I think that the Chargers are heading in the right direction. It's not going to be pretty, right? First year with a new head coach, Justin Herbert. He's still young. He has not lived up to the kind of hype that was bestowed upon him coming into this year. Looked really good as a rookie, struggling this season relative to expectations. 
but I still think that the Chargers much better than the Broncos at this point. And I think it's a situation where not only are they better than the Broncos, because, you know, in NFL betting, you can't just bet the better team. You will lose all of your money and uh, live in a cardboard box if you do it that way. But I think it is a motivation situation for the Denver Broncos. I just don't think that they have a lot left right now. They got off to that great start beating up on bad teams. And ever since then, they have proven that they simply cannot swing at the next level against respectable competition. And I think that that has kind of a way of weighing on a team. And I think we've seen it, right? People talked about that Teddy Bridgewater not giving his full effort on the fumble return by Darius Slay. I didn't think that was a big deal because if he took another step, he was going to get crushed by a blocker. But what I do think about that situation is it kind of just speaks to the level of deflation that the Broncos are currently living with. Um, I also think that the Chargers are just a pretty good road team. At three and one against the spread on the road this season. Denver two and three against the spread at home. I think that you get a better team who has proven they can win on the road so far this season, which makes sense given that their home games feel like road games as well. We saw against the Steelers last week that that was a Steelers home game being played out there in Los Angeles. I think that the road-tested Chargers come out and they they win this game by a field goal or more. That's just kind of what I think about that contest. Um, I just I think that the Broncos are kind of spiraling down the drain over the last six weeks of this season. Let's go to a game that is a rematch of a postseason contest that we saw last year. It was played in the divisional round in the NFC. I am talking Rams-Packers. Rams a one-point favorite. Total 47. Rams coming off of their bye week, which they sorely needed. They had been struggling before the bye. Matt Stafford, all kinds of banged up before the bye. They take on a Packers team that lost to the Minnesota Vikings last week, really struggled on the defensive end, did the uh, did the Green Bay Packers in that game. And, you know, it was a game where I kind of leaned toward the under in that contest and then just, I mean, immediately just chunk plays for both teams in the passing game. Terrible defense on both sides. Um, I You know, I'm kind of thinking I'm inclined to go back to the under well in this game. Uh, the Packers, even with that convincing over last week against the Vikings, Eight and three to the under this season. Uh, Robert Woods, of course, on injured reserve for the Rams due to a knee injury. The Rams had been struggling offensively regardless before the bye. Uh, They had been averaging 13 points per game over their last two games with a banged-up quarterback. And, yes, the Packers did play well offensively last week. But in the two games before that against Kansas City and Seattle – uh, they had scored 15 points per game over those two contests. They had a total of 30 points. So I think that it was a good offensive matchup for them last week. Apparently, uh, they just completely lit up the Vikings. But I don't think we should lose sight of the fact that both of these teams, despite their reputations, have struggled to put points on the board as of late. I'm also wondering, you know, the Rams now, I mean, they seem very well equipped to put pressure on Aaron Rodgers. The question, of course, is can they actually do it? But if they do the way that they're expected to, I think that uh, that does negatively impact the Green Bay passing attack as well. Next up on the GBI show, Vikings Niners. The Vikings three-point road underdogs, total 49. And I listen, the Vikings, they're coming off a big win 
against the Niners. They've been very competitive against good teams as of late, right? We saw them take the Ravens overtime not too long ago. But I think that the 49ers are poised to make a run the rest of this season. I've really liked what I've seen from San Francisco. Defensively, they're allowing a half yard per play less than the Vikings, which I think is significant, especially when they're playing at home. But I do think that uh, this is a spot where the Niners at home in an important game that, I mean, let's face it, they need to have a lot of games here, just given how competitive the NFC West is. I think that they get this one in an important spot. And I think that the Vikings, this is kind of where they prove who they really are, right? They get a big win against the Packers. Everybody starts to get excited about the Minnesota Vikings. But at the end of the day, they're going to show who they really are with Kirk Cousins on the road in this situation. I would lean toward the 49ers in this matchup. Now, let's go to Sunday Night Football here on the GBI show. The Cleveland Browns, four-point underdogs in Baltimore taking on the Ravens. Total of 46. Of course, last week, the Browns squeaking by the winless Detroit Lions, beat them by a field goal. And the Ravens squeak by the Chicago Bears as well, right? But, of course, we have to put into context what we saw there. It was Tyler Huntley, quarterback, for the Ravens instead of Lamar Jackson because Lamar Jackson was battling a non-COVID illness, as it has been described to us. And it's a spot here where I think that both of these teams, despite being pretty even statistically, I think that as long as Lamar Jackson is healthy and available to play in this game, I think that they're going to get the job done against the Cleveland Browns. My reasoning being, I don't think that Cleveland offensively is good enough to make the Ravens pay for their poorest defense. Baltimore, second to last in the NFL in terms of yards per play allowed. They're allowing 6.2 yards per play this season. But the Cleveland Browns, they're very one-dimensional with how their offense functions at its best, right? Baker Mayfield simply can't be trusted for this Cleveland team, whereas you know the rushing attack is how they really prosper. And I think that is going to be a problem right now for the Cleveland Browns. And I, Listen, this is a game where you're going to have to score points in order to keep up with the Baltimore Ravens, and I don't think that's going to go particularly well. I think that the relationship between Baker Mayfield and the city of Cleveland as a whole is going to take a significant hit in this game. I Listen, give me sick Lamar over healthy Baker at this point in time. That is my opinion on that game. I would lean toward the Baltimore Ravens heading into that one. Finally, Monday night football, ladies and gentlemen, the final game we will preview here on our Week 12 show. The Seattle Seahawks, one-and-a-half-point underdogs, taking on the Washington football team. Total for this game, 47. Of course, last week, the Seahawks losing to Colt McCoy and the Arizona Cardinals, whereas the Washington football team, they did manage to survive on the road against the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, the running game for Seattle set to take another hit this week, potentially. Rashad Penny is on the injury report as questionable. Of course, they already lost Chris Carson for the season, and that is going to put even more pressure on Russell Wilson. Fortunately for Wilson, he faces a Washington football team with Chase Young on IR, Montez Sweat not available. Of course, we mentioned it time and time again, no more Kerrigan for what feels like the first time in my adult life for that Washington football team defense. 
Wilson's going to have to put it in the air, but this is a team you're going to want to put the ball in the air against. I mean, let's face it, Carolina really should have gotten the win last week against the football team. They had plenty of chances. They just couldn't connect on the passes. I think Russell Wilson will be able to connect on some of those passes that Carolina couldn't, and that is why we are going to see Seattle. I think they win this game outright on the road as a slight underdog. That is just my opinion. So that is your look at week 12 here on the GBI show. Of course, we thank everybody for tuning in. And from the bottom of my heart, seriously, if you've if you've ever watched the show or supported anything it is we're doing in any way, I really couldn't begin to tell you how thankful I am for that. I feel like that's appropriate to share here on this Thanksgiving day. Of course, if you want written previews of every game on the NFL Week 12 schedule, uh, we've got a bunch up already at ATS.io. More will be available as we get closer to the weekend. Of course, we'll be back next week with our Week 13 preview. Until next time, Jay Sannon saying see you later. Good luck on your bets this weekend. Most importantly, have a happy Thanksgiving. Have a safe Thanksgiving. Have a fulfilling Thanksgiving Day. We'll see you next time.